Hey, I'm Sam Chan. And I'm Sam Wan. And we're the two Sams. We're the two Sams on Espresso and Earl Grey. All right, so I've been doing a bit of reading about storytelling, because that's the big thing now, the big buzzword, mm. storytelling. So I, I know a lot about the theory, the structure of stories, but tell me more about what you think makes a good story. What makes a good story? Uh, are we talking about movie story or are we talking about oral oral storytelling or what are we talking about here? Or just a normal story? Any story. Well, I think one of the, my favourite story, one of the favourite things that I love in a story is like, you were, you were talking about it the other day, um, like um, M. Night Shyamalan, you know the the um, director of Sixth Sense. Okay, yep. He makes all these movies where you believe in one thing. Spoilers here. We believe in one thing throughout the whole movie, and then there's a moment where the world is flipped upside down, and suddenly. Whatever was up was down. Yeah, whatever's whatever, left is ex- right. Exactly. Exactly. You think, wow, I I've just and been then, seeing everything yeah, the opposite wrong way. And then you want to watch it again to see how it actually fit. So I think what what is crucial is is a twist, is is a moment. But then on the other hand, what makes a good story is, I think, just humanity. You know, all stories. When I went through primary education. We, we were always asked, what's a good story? Aside from being able to be read by seven-year-olds to 77-year-olds. Well, the key to a good story is that it asks the question what it means to be human. And it answers that in some way or another that, that touches our hearts. That's fascinating because um, my boys and I have been listening to music with me and I've been imposing upon them the canon of Bruce Springsteen so sorry that's old man white music from the 80s and it feels so old to them and there's a song called Bobby Jean yes. and even Janis Joplin's one Bobby McGee so I'm trying to explain them to them how Bobby Jean in the Bruce Springsteen song is a girl but Bobby McGee in the Janis Joplin song is a guy and they ask me is Bobby Jean a real person I go no and one of my sons says well, that doesn't make sense. What's the point if it's not a real person? And I was trying to say, well, Harry Potter's not a real person either, but you care. Yeah. So what is it the secret to the story that gets me caring about Bobby Jean, Bobby McGee, and Harry Potter, even though they're not real people? I think it's, it's to be able to journey with them, to see even like, you look at the story of Harry Potter, yes, there's magic, Yes, there's wands and wizards and monsters, but really deep down, it's a story about a boy who's orphaned and wants to find out who his parents were and whether or not a a huge story arc, right, is whether or not he lives up to his parents' expectations of him, right? All throughout the movies, am I living up to my expectations? He finds Sirius Black, right? His, his godfather, the, the one of the few people who was closest friends with his father. And what does Harry want? Approval from Sirius Black. And that moment, I don't know if you remember, 
just before Sirius Black dies. Have you have you seen? I've read the books. I've watched the movies. Just before Sirius Black dies. Should we have given a spoiler oh, alert? Oh, well, spo- <laughs> so let's spoiler alert. Sirius Black <laughs> dies just before he passes through the the um, the doorway. He says he says to Harry, um, "Good one, James," uh, and calls Harry his dad's name. And it's in that moment that every one of us goes, "Oh, finally." Harry is like his dad. So it's, 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 you boil everything down. It's about the losses and the loves and the truth of what it means to be human. See, it's amazing because it's a shared common humanity. It's a shared emotion, even though it's not a shared experience. No, yeah. So that's the bizarre thing because every now and then I dabble in Tim Winton and yes. it's fiction. So it's all make-believe. But I had to take a big breath before I decided to dive into a Tim Winton book yes. because it's just an emotional yes. roller coaster. So and in the real. end, I'm exhausted. Yeah, it's, yeah. Even though it's so real, and though it's yeah, not yeah, real, yeah, that's yeah, a power yeah. story. Yeah, that's right. I'm reading a book called Circe by Madeline Miller, and it's about Homer's Odyssey and told from the perspective of Circe, the the witch, and um, it's so real. You you read it. And you suddenly go, wow, the isolation, how she tells the story of the witch bearing the child and having to give birth all by herself and then having to to wake up and uh, feed the child and go through. It's just so real that even I, you know, I'm, I'm a man, I'm, I'm reading through that and going, wow, um, having kids is not easy. And this is about a witch having kids, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So here's the thing with stories. A story is more than an event. Mm. I still love how Tim Keller explained it. He said, Little Red Riding Hood takes food to her grandmother. That's not a story, that's an event. Mm. But Little Red Riding Hood takes food to the grandmother, but a wolf. Yes. is there waiting yes. to attack Little Red Riding Hood and spoiler in the real version the wolf also eats the grandmother but we've sanitised that version <laughs> we don't sell that version anymore but a woodsman axeman a hunter yeah. comes and saves Little Red Riding Hood so it's this ding 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 you know yeah, there's a, yeah, a roller yeah. coaster yeah, yeah. back and forth back yes. and forth yes it's the what makes a, what makes life and what makes stories interesting <laughs> in a way, is conflict, is tension, right? The simplest story, I can't remember who wrote this, but the simplest story that someone said is, you get a man, you take him up a palm tree, you get someone to throw rocks at him, and you have to try and figure out a way of getting him down from the palm tree. That's a story. <laughs> That's right, I think it was Aaron Sorkin in his yeah, yeah, masterclass so. on yeah, screenwriting yeah, yeah, yeah. said that. Yeah. And so I, I often have to coach speakers and preachers mm. and I say, and people, they try to give stories or illustrations and that the advice I give them is this, the word but 
has to appear in your story. Otherwise, it's not a story. So if I was to say to you, my boy wore a tank top and rubber gum boots at a wedding, that's, that's an just event. an event. Yeah, it's and, a recount. And, and you're just laughing politely. It's almost <laughs> like I showed you a spinning bow tie. Hey, look, my bow tie spins. Yeah. Will you please laugh? <laughs> hey, my boy wore a tank top and rubber gum boots to a wedding. Please, will you laugh at my story? No, yeah, it's not yeah, funny. Yeah. It's only You're only laughing to be polite. But if I said it to you this way, when you go to a wedding, it's very important you dress up for the wedding. But no matter how much we tried, we could not get our boy to dress up. He insisted on wearing a tank top and rubber gum boots. But when we turn up to the wedding, everyone goes, oh, look at Cooper in a tank top and rubber gum boots. And at that point, every other parent's saying, why didn't we just let our kid wear a tank top and rubber gum boots? And every guy there is looking at his wife like, why can't I wear a tank top? Why did you make me wear a tie and suit today? And that's a story. That's a story. Yeah. And the difference is the word but appeared at least once and twice. Yep. And if you can get it to come twice, that's a really good story. Because yeah. like you say, it's conflict. We wanted to go this way, dress up, but he made us go this way, but when we turned up, this happened. And so you, you swing your emotions back and forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, say, Star Wars Episode Four. Average guy, you know, you know, Luke Skywalker, average guy goes around, you know, but he's actually living in a Tatooine with, with two sons, but he finds these droids out of nowhere. But then wait a minute, these droids are talking about a particular and it just goes on and on and on and you're just following because they, you're trying to That's figure right. out what's going to happen. They jump the spaceship to go to this planet, yeah. but the planet disappears. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you've got to have these butts all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's, that's where life mimics art or art mimics life. Life is just full of butts. <laughs> um, you don't know what's going to happen next. Um, and in a way... You know, when you, when you look back in life, the most, I don't know about you, but the most vivid moments where I laugh with friends about are moments that I hated going through. Um, and you go, you know what? That was actually a horrible, horrible experience, like going camping and not having a spade to dig your own pooping hole or something like that, you know? In that moment, it's one of the worst things to go through. But then you look back and you go, that's funny because it's one of those strange, strange moments that are so surreal. That's right. So Andy Crouch, quoting someone else who I can't remember, saying for a good story to work, there has to be this moment of absolute catastrophe. Mm. And that was you, you know, finding yourself without a spade, <laughs> but its story needs that moment of absolute catastrophe. Yes, yes. Oh, again, it's just an event. So yeah. Little Red Riding Hood needs a wolf to have eaten her grandmother. Yes. Absolute catastrophe for this to be more than just an event. Yeah. To be a story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like say Luke Skywalker, I am your father. That's a complete, this guy thought 
his parents were were dead already. Um, Uncle, sorry, no, he he didn't even know who his parents were. But then suddenly, the oh, most, we're giving so many spoilers oh, away. <laughs> but well, sorry, I just call these, this... these movies like twenty or thirty years old. If you have not caught up with these now, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, we should just call this the the spoiler podcast. <laughs> but that's the most catastrophe. Like your most the most. I, I don't even remember. See, I watch YouTube videos of kids finding out that for the first time Darth Vader is the bad is Luke's father, and you see the drop in their face. I don't even remember when I found out, and I just want to be able to re-experience that again because can you imagine finding out that the guy you've been that's been pursuing you that's been trying to kill you is actually your father, right? That's just the biggest butt out there. And here's the thing, I remember reading or listen to Elaine the Bottom on some podcast. He's saying that what the West has now lost yes. is tragedy. Yes. Because every culture, every era of history, we used to tell a variety of stories, both comedy and tragedy. Mm. And as we know from mm. high school, Shakespeare wrote comedies, but he also wrote tragedies. Mm. I know from reading Russian novels, they have comedies and they have tragedies. Comedies where you think, I don't know where they're going to snatch a happy ending out of this from. Oh, they did it. Tragedies, I don't know how you're going to snatch a sad ending out of this. Wow, you just did it. Yes. Amazing. And he says, because we don't know the story of tragedy anymore, yes. that's actually led to more anxiety, more depression now yes. because we don't know how to cope yeah, yeah. with things not going our way. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, that's I'm, I'm a person who would avoid tragic <laughs> stories um, just because they get me so sad but but I think you're you're right we, we we just want the Hollywood ending on things and so when movies don't go the Hollywood way we don't want to watch it I remember when I was in high school <laughs> there was a period where you know back back then you would still borrow books to read and uh, when I selected a book, I would always just flip to the end to see if the main character was still alive. And if they were, then it's a book worth reading. I know, because back then it was a 50-50 gamble. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now yeah. you know you're guaranteed the happy ending. But here's the interesting thing, because you get the Hollywood mega studio juggernaut. They're going to turn out these blockbusters, usually 99.999% chance of a happy ending. So you get the rise of the indie independent mm. cinema, but now with Netflix and HBO, they've been able to churn out not just tragedy, but we were saying earlier, the anti-hero. Whereas yes. Hollywood had no place for an anti-hero, HBO comes out with The Sopranos, Tony Soprano, and suddenly you're watching and think, I'm, I'm gonna use a US term here because I lived in the United States for five years and I'm allowed to say this, where I'm rooting for Tony Soprano, <laughs> who's a mafia boss. Yes. So there's almost nothing redeemable yeah, about yeah. this character, but he's become the hero I'm rooting for. Yeah, and that's so strange. I think I was talking to you uh, a little while ago about 
how it seems that um, the rise of the anti-hero in the 2010s uh, or 2005 onwards, before that you had, say, someone like Harrison Ford, uh, Indiana Jones, um, uh, Jack Ryan, you know, the, the, he played Indiana Jones and Jack Ryan, two characters and who epitomised the goodness. They're like the Superman of the, the Superman. Action exactly. Hero, uh, action movie. And then but then even even as gritty as you made Batman back in the nineties, he was still a good character. But then in the in the twenty tens, we started to get these these main anti heroes who was just so much more real. And it, there seemed to be a rise of it, that we, we want characters to be real. And I was thinking about it maybe a couple of years ago, and it seemed even the enemies moved from, say, back in the 80s, 70s and 80s, it would be Russia, and then at 90s would be China. Um, China or... Well, was it someone once said that... Um, uh, the Phantom Menace, the, the bad guys were shaped as Chinese people. Um, and then from there, now the enemy is within. You've got um, series like Homeland or what's House of Cards where the bad guy isn't actually outside, but it's actually ourselves. Yeah, fascinating. And I remember reading Will Storr in his book, The Science of Storytelling. He said, yeah, I can take you through all the usual devices and the formula, mm. but you can read any book on those, you know, the 11 points of the hero's journey or whatever. But he said, let me tell you, for a story to work, you've got to have a hero who you don't just root for because emotionally invested in them, but this hero has to be highly flawed mm. for your story to work. So what's 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 a highly flawed hero that you recently came across? Well, this is where The Simpsons becomes yeah revolutionary because un yes. until then a family sitcom, the father was this all wise, yes. omniscient, benevolent being, yes. and then you get married with children, and The Simpsons, and yes. where Homer Simpson becomes the epitome of the highly flawed. Character. character maybe that's why i never liked the simpsons <laughs> because i thought why why and even bart himself is is he's one of the protagonists but he's also a highly flawed um person and then don miller who talks about his podcast is called story brand he says our mistake is where we always portray ourselves as a hero yes thinking, you know, we're the Superman action hero, but really we've got to realise, no, I'm the vulnerable, yeah, broken one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, my yeah. storyline. Yeah. And that's, speaking of Superman, that's the reworking of Man of Steel, isn't it? That there is still a, a deep vulnerability in Superman. That's right. And the people we think are the heroes in stories, the, the wise, powerful, omniscient beings, they're actually either the God, the father figure, or the Christ, the guide figure. So, you know, in Lord of the Rings, the hero is uh, the Hobbit. 
who's tiny, vulnerable, mm. with hairy feet. Mm. So yes, you got Gandalf, you know, the father figure. You got uh, the Vigo, Hugo, Mortensen, uh, Strider, Aragon. Aragon. <laughs> He's obviously the Christ, the Messiah figure. So they're the guys that will help you. But in them, the hero is this highly flawed character. Mm, mm. And that's why we identify. Suddenly you realize, in my life, I can't be the superhero. Yeah. I'm actually just this highly flawed, vulnerable, <laughs> broken person. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. And I do need a God the Father in my life. I do need a Christ the Messiah in my life. But in the end, I don't have to be God the Father. I don't have to be Christ the Messiah. I can just be me. Yeah. Because in a way, when you look at those stories, it's 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 as if those figures. No, I'm not saying in real life, Christ the Guide and and <laughs> God the Father are, are plot devices, but it seems like those figures are just plot devices to figuring out who you are, because Gandalf dies in the first movie. Oh, so many spoilers. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you got to give people warning know, before you say Spoiler that. warning. And again, in Star Wars, Obi-Wan dies. Yeah. Um, Han Solo, as good as he is, as, a, as, as, as charming and good-looking and as, powerful, as good as he is, doesn't really drive the story. It has to be Luke who has fulfills the... vulnerable the, person. Yeah. And then even Aragon, you know, as the... Uh, who is he? The the the, the Christ king. figure. Where's he? Yeah, the warrior. Well, he he's king. the he's the warrior king, but even his battles are just secondary to Frodo getting the ring over to the Mount Mount Doom, and so it it seems they're just tiny plot. Even though when I watch Lord of the Rings, I fast forward the um. Frodo and Sam scenes. It was too scary. <laughs> no, not too scary. I'm just sick of Frodo's whining. You know, are we there yet? I don't want to get there. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Um, but um, but I just, just like how one of the hobbits was called Sam. Yeah, he was my favourite character. And he drank a lot of beer. I and remember that. But um, yeah, it seems like they're just plot devices to see, hey, we're just as broken as the protagonist is. And that's that's how we connected these stories, right? We can't have like that's why as good as say John Wick. Have you seen John Wick? Yeah, I just binged watched all three with my wife. As good as John Wick. I watched them separately is, before. They made no sense. You got to watch. Yeah, them yeah, yeah. He's gotta as invulnerable as John Wick is. There is still a vulnerability there. You know, a, a spoiler again. Like his his wife and his. His dog died. Yeah, he's isolated, start. he's lonely, he's lonely. heartbroken. That's, his, that's yeah. his vulnerability. And it seems there's got to be some brokenness. So here's a fascinating choice for us in life. We're, we're at the horns of an awful dilemma. Two choices. Choice number one. We're just atoms and molecules. Really, everything is just an event. There is no story. Things just happen in this universe. There's no rhythm. There's no narrative. There's no device. And as Yuval Noah Harari, the atheist philosopher, says, stories are just useful, fictional devices we tell ourselves to give ourselves purpose, meaning, and hope 
but really they're just fiction. Useful, but they're just fiction. Arbitrary, fiction, or, and this was Donald Miller's great revelation, and this is how he came to faith in a God. Maybe every story we have exists because there is a greater story. Mm, a meta story. Yeah. Yeah, and it seems like it, doesn't it? Because... Because every culture tells the same story. Yeah, the same story, and there seems to be a need for the redemptive redemption of the ordinary. Yeah, so it's either useful fiction or the ontologically yes. there really is a greater, bigger story that yeah, we could be part of. Yeah, that we start from a home that is okay and comfortable, that we are pushed beyond ourselves, that someone has to die for us, that then we have to die to something before we vanquish the beast, which sometimes is ourselves. And catastrophe really is catastrophe. Yeah. Because things ought not be this way. Yeah, yeah, before we are brought back into a home that is a much more beautiful home than the one we had before.